G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Researchers tell us that at least 15% of Australians will experience a major depression at some point in life. No one is immune, including Christians. Spiritual giants like John Bunyan, Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon all battled with depression. When Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones released his book, Spiritual Depression, it shot to number one in the list of Christian best-selling books. That should tell us something of the degree to which Christians grapple with depression. How do people cope with depression? Many try to deal with it by turning to drugs or alcohol, which only compounds the problem. In extreme circumstances, some see suicide as the only way to cope. In such cases, suicide is not really an attempt to end life, but to escape the pain. Negative emotions are a warning that something is wrong. Emotions are mainly a product of our thoughts. To tell people to stop feeling the way they do is not only unhelpful, it's condemning. But helping them to change the way they think may help them to change the way they feel. Millions have discovered that the truth really can set us free. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And welcome to the program. Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And our subject this week is a sound mind. And Ken, as you said, depression is a pretty big subject. A lot of people battle with it every day. It certainly is a big subject, Phil. And I need to say right at the outset that all we can do today in our limited time, of course, is just to touch upon that subject. There are, of course, a range of causes for depression. That's why it's such a big subject. And uh, that must always be kept in mind. There's no one size fits all, you know. Uh, certain people who have you know, particular personality types, for example, are at greater risk than others. You know, people that are prone to worry, people that are shy, uh, people that um, uh, tend to be hard on themselves, you know, yep. perfectionists, if you like, yep. they, they tend to struggle more with, with depression. And then, of course, there are physical disorders such as chemical and hormonal imbalances, mm-hmm. uh, sleep loss, glandular dysfunction, and so on. That is some of the possible causes for depression. Um, then there's anxiety. You know, the, the book of Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. There you go. Proverbs 12, verse 25. I didn't know that so, was there. Yeah. No, so if, if somebody's not coping with life, you know, they're getting anxious about life, they, they see no hope, they see no solution, they're going to get more and more yeah. uh, stressed out and as a result go into a sense of despair and despondency and become depressed. I think it's interesting you quoted there from the Bible on this in Proverbs because it shows the Bible has insights even into this subject, some people would say that it doesn't, but clearly it does. And no wonder, really, because it's God who put us together in the first place. He's going to know, uh, you know, when things go wrong, uh, what do we do? You know, go back to the manufacturer's manual. Yeah, and in fact, what I want us to do today in our program is just to take one example of someone that was going through depression, suffered um, a depressive episode, if you like, and that person was Elijah. Now, if you look at one Kings chapter eighteen, you see Elijah. Uh, as, you know, the champion yeah. <laughs> at the height of his ministry. Yeah. He'd just taken on the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them yep. in one, yep. just call down fire from heaven, just um, outrun Ahab in his chariot. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, you know, he was unstoppable. 
But then the next chapter, it's a total contrast. You know, Jezebel says, uh, uh, this man's going to die when I get hold of him. And he goes into this incredible depressive episode. And what that shows us is uh, James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know, we come to, sometimes put these people on a pedestal yeah. and think that they're different to us, not even human, but he went through what we go through. Now, let's have a look at the, the kind of things that really tended towards um, making him depressed. The first thing is that he was very much a person who lived in isolation. You don't see him hanging out with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when, when that happened, you know, he, he took off and he left his servant behind. I mean, the, the very few times that we see him with a servant or with, you know, an assistant – uh, then he clears off and leaves him back in uh, some place called Beersheba and just takes off on his own. Uh, second thing is that, you know, he took on God's burden in almost a personal way. We, we have to be careful of that. You know, for example, people do get depressed at times about the state of the church and, and they can internalize that in such a way that it becomes their problem. Mm. Um, we take these burdens on on behalf of God, but only God is able to really handle the full weight of those things. Yeah, I think another thing with Elijah is the incredible swing. You know, he had this um, uh, public success, uh, and that always makes us vulnerable, Phil, I feel. Um, he was catapulted into the spotlight. You know, he said, until I say so, there's not going to be any rain. So three and a half years, because there's one man said so, there was a drought, and everybody knows it's because of Elijah. This man's got power with God, but this can be a dangerous time. You know, there he is up on there uh, on Mount Carmel. He uh, takes on all the prophets of Baal, calls down fire from heaven. This guy is becoming a superstar, and more and more, the focus of all the people is upon him. Uh, then, as I say, you know, when when he opens up heaven, the rains begin to to fall. He takes off, and Ahab takes off. He outruns. King Ahab, who's in his chariot. <laughs> yeah, so this pretty amazing. Yeah, this guy's probably thinking, what can't I do, you know? <laughs> and he's, he's getting sort of a, a little bit carried away with this success. But then, of course, comes this anticlimax, and that's where things go wrong, when, you know, nothing seems to have changed because Jezebel says, well, we're not turning back to God. In fact, we're coming after Elijah and we'll kill him. So then he gets perplexed. You know, he thinks... This is how it's all going to pan out. It doesn't work out the way he thought. So he takes off and he says these words. Well, he says, it's enough. Now, who hasn't said, I've had enough? Enough is enough, you know. Um, I alone am left. There's nobody else that's standing up for God. I've done my best. No, it hasn't worked. So, Lord, take my life. There's no point in going on. Mm, but that certainly wasn't the case, though, was it? There were 7,000, was it? Yeah, well, that's right. And, and he had a lot to learn. An interesting thing there, I think, is if that those 7,000 had been around him and yeah. encouraging him or visible to him, yeah. that's a whole other thing, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have gone uh, gone down that path. What can you do, though, for someone, if you know someone who's that low? You know, yeah. he was pretty low at that point, perhaps even suicidal, looking at the prayer that he prayed. Yeah. You know, what did God do? Well, let's look at yeah, what God did. I mean, he ran out of gas, but he didn't run out of grace. Thank God for that, you know. In fact, grace is magnified. I mean, you think about Elijah's ministry. When he was obedient in a time of famine, God sent ravens to feed him, mm. okay? Little tidbits on a daily basis, little bits of meat and so on, and, uh, you know, he's sustained. When he's disobedient, God sends angels to feed him, you know, <laughs> angel cake. <laughs> so that's the grace of God. He pours out his blessing on people that are running away. Uh, look at the disciples. When they threw it all in, they said, we're going back to the nets and the fishes. Jesus turns up along the side of the, the, the seashore there, 
and he says, you know, cast your nets on the other side. They get full of fishes. Mm. And what do they say? It's the Lord. This is the grace of God. They, they, they knew they'd experienced God's grace so many times. So God then comes to Elijah and he tends, first of all, to his physical needs. Now, I think that's important. This guy is exhausted. You know, he's burnt out. He's run and run. He can't run anymore. He's tired. He's weary. He's hungry. And so the first thing that he needs is sleep to rest his jaded nerves and a good meal. So God lets him sleep. And then when he awakes, he feeds him. Interesting, you know, when uh, Jesus caught up with the disciples, when there was that big catch of fish, then they all come aside into, uh, onto shore, onto land. And the first thing that um, Jesus said to Peter is, have you had breakfast yet? <laughs> I think that's important, you know, mm. because we are a psychosomatic whole. And what we, what's happening physically is also going to affect us in our soul. Of course, the next thing that he tended to was his spiritual needs, and that order is important, isn't it? The physical first and then the spiritual. That's right. Now, he got into this depressed state because he was thinking wrong, and so God had to correct some things in his life. Uh, as you said earlier on, you know, he thought he was the only one standing up for God, but God said to him, well, actually, no, there's 7,000 others that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one. It's not all upon you, you know? Mm. Another thing he says, hey, they, they seek my life to take it. Now, here's an interesting thing, Phil. Uh, to this day, Elijah has not died. <laughs> <laughs> true, you yes. know, he's, he's, he, he just was taken miraculously. He's never gone through death. Yes. And so he just assumed, well, I'm going to die. Well, no, you're not. And then here's another thing that God revealed to him. You know, first of all, he sent the, the earthquake, the fire, the wind. But God wasn't in any of those things. He was in the still, small voice. Elijah made that mistake of thinking God is going to be in the sensational. You know, I've called down fire from heaven. This is what's going to do it. God says, no, it's not. Actually, I work silently and, and, and secretly and in small ways. That's how I do my work. So he had a lot of retraining of his thinking to do. Some practical help this week on A Sound Mind. And we'll have more on this discussion tomorrow. Do join us. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.